Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts Zay, Young Vander, and Roja. Bonjour, konnichiwa, hola, utenteg, and what's poppin'? Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay. As always, I got my guys with me. Holla at the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, little bro, bro Joe. Holla at the people, bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? We have an epic show in store for you today. News and notes that you can use. Our 2022 draft strategy and guard system show. This is a show that is going to help build some skill sets and help refine others. But I promise you're going to get quite a bit out of this one. Keep in mind, get your 20% off at manscaped.com plus free shipping with promo code FIENDS. This lawnmower 4.0, I'm telling you, this trimmer is like that. Waterproof, no nicks, no patches. She'll love it and your balls will thank you. If you're looking for social media sites on Facebook, we're the Fantasy Football Fiend family on Facebook, Instagram, Fantasy Football Fiend, Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Fiend. Gmail, if you need to get any info to us, fantasyfootballfiend at Gmail for your promos and advertisements. So we got an opportunity to kind of see a little bit of football yesterday. What impressed you guys or was it just kind of a eh, too vanilla to even know what's going on with your shit? Uh, me personally, I didn't really watch very much of it. I looked at the box scores to get an idea of who may have played a little bit. Like you said, it's usually vanilla schemes and things of that nature going on. So I don't really put too much into the very first preseason or the very first week of preseason football. You catch anything that was eye popping to you, Joe? I did like how the Tennessee and Baltimore game went and what happened with uh, Willis, Malik Willis. I think that was pretty cool seeing him get some reps. Yeah, I was able to see a little bit of, you know, the Patriots went up against the Giants. So I, I saw pretty much all of that, although none of it really amounts to much as far as fantasy is concerned. Never get too caught up in the preseason until you're looking at the dress rehearsal and they are actually trying to implement what they're going to be doing week one. Uh, don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just kind of pay attention and keep it moving. With that being said, let's go ahead and hop into your news. And now your fantasy news. All right, good people. Not a whole lot of news, but some of it could end up being significant in the scheme of things. Melvin Gordon ended up having a foot injury. It looks like it's going to be merely a foot contusion. Um, so it doesn't look like Javante Williams is going to have the increase in status that he would have had if Melvin Gordon was going to be down for a minute. But it's never a good thing to start out the year prior to preseason with injuries. So we've seen this happen with Gordon many times. Again, this may be one of the guys that if he does go down has drastic consequences, especially for that guy that was able to possibly get Javante Williams a little bit later than what you would have been able to get if Melvin Gordon wasn't there. 
So just something to keep an eye on. But it looks like he's out of the woods as far as it being anything serious with Melvin Gordon there in Denver. With Dallas, Tony Pollard has been lining up playing the slot receiver as of late. This is going to be kind of interesting because Tony Pollard may have quite a bit more value now in that they're going to be using him as the backup running back and one of the primary slot receivers based on how things are looking in, in camp right now. So I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be, you know, a once in a blue moon sort of scenario or if he's actually going to be in the slot kind of often. This may actually give him a little bit of a bump to his consistency as far as this year in fantasy is concerned. What you got on that, Vander? I feel more excited about it if they change his position, Dick's Nation. But as of right now, if he just remains a running back, he's playing a little bit of slot. I still have him value about the same coming into this season. But if he gets that running back slash wide receiver, then I think he'd be a lot more enticing. Now, do you mean that as far as being able to depend on him being a wide receiver? Or do you mean as far as if he has that additional flexibility if you're in a league that maybe doesn't have flex spots and now he can go in either your wide receiver or running back slot? Right. I'm definitely talking about those leagues who don't have the flex spot. You have those more standard leagues where there's running back, running back, receiver, receiver, tight end. In those leagues, if he's given that slash wide receiver um, tag, then he definitely becomes a whole lot more valuable. But in any other league with with just the regular flex spots, he has about the same value as uh, as he does right now for me. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Rondell Moore out in Arizona is apparently taking over the Christian Kirk role. Now, Joe, I know that you deep dove into Arizona and Christian Kirk specifically. He was the guy that you were touting last year. So do we think that Rondell Moore being in that role, we can see similar production or do we think he might be a little bit more explosive? And this may actually be something to monitor in PPR leagues based on the volume of catching. He was always a quick twitch kind of guy. He's always somebody who stood out. But the kind of routes they gave him last year was kind of pedestrian. So we didn't really get to see his full bevy of moves and everything like this. So if this is the route they're going to take, I think uh, that's going to be pretty good. I just the question mark is is this what they're gonna do? I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool if Hollywood was to go outside and play a little bit. Um, but they also like to use um, Antoine Wesley in the role of D Hop. So if you got Green uh, Wesley out there for some time a uh, period of time, and then you have Hollywood, where does he fit in that formula? But I think it's definitely something to monitor. We got to keep up with the news with this because. If he indeed gets a lot of uh, reps and targets in the slot, this is a good opportunity to get this kid for free. I agree. And if he does turn that opportunity into stability, it may be too late once we actually see it. So this is one of those guys that you can get a little bit later. We'll be talking about the draft in just a second, but this is one of those guys that you can get a little bit later and he can end up being a staple on your team. He may not have the highest ceiling, but if he gets the consistency and volume, he'll be um, consistent in fantasy points as well. Jamison Williams with the Lions is looking like he's not going to make week one. Now, the thing with this to me is how do you indicate that week one may be in jeopardy, but the weeks after aren't? Like that that would kind of scare me if I had him on my squad, because if you're not ready for week one, then why, why would I believe you're ready for week two? Like like that, that it can end up cascading. That's the news coming out of Lions camp right now. They haven't gone public just yet with the timetable beyond that, which also scares me. It's almost like uh, I want to say they had a player 
last year that they kind of did a similar thing with it may have been swift where they were like okay yeah he'll he'll miss this week and then this week ended up being two three four weeks so just something to, to monitor there as far as dynasty is concerned he probably wouldn't be someone that you paid too much attention to and redraft either way you sliced it this year yeah i just want to add on top of that he injured this during the bowl game so that was back in january so the timetable even if we put mm-hmm. it at nine months he shouldn't even be ready to play but if i think he'll avoid the pup list and he might miss no less than six games if they haven't considered doing so. Interesting. That may actually help them settle down that wide receiver room because they, they have a good problem now uh, with Detroit with the plethora of talent that they have as far as pass catchers are concerned. Uh, previously, the issue was not having enough. So luckily, they have guys that can step up in his absence. And when he comes back, they should have quite a hodgepodge of guys that golf can kind of make relevant in his own way should he be able to get past injuries and things of that nature because he gets a little nicked up just about every year he gets a little nicked up here and there but um james white hangs it up uh he retires so now that patriot backfield isn't quite as crowded still a lot of guys there but rookie pierre strong might be the beneficiary or the direct beneficiary at least of this particular move what I've been hearing out of camp is that Stevenson that was actually one to pick up several of the third down duties in, in camp, but they're saying that Pierre Strong might be the permanent replacement as far as White's skill set is most similar um, to his, or his is most similar to White's. So I'm not sure if you guys heard anything about this particular, how, how this is going to kind of work out, or if you've seen anything with the camps or, or, or news uh, out there that would indicate anything different. But how are we kind of looking at the Patriots backfield in light of this news? Does it change anything? Do you have any stronger opinion either way or the other? Uh, not so much, but I do think this helps out uh, Ramondre Stevenson a little bit more. A lot of people are already feeling he's going to be taking a few carries from Harris. Him being a good pass catcher, I think he maybe slide more into that uh, James White role, maybe even the rookie uh, Pierre Strong who also has a skill set similar to a James White, who we'll probably also see a little bit of that. Just like any other time with the Patriots backfield, man, it's a clusterfuck. So you never know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. So I, I, like I said, I, I think Stevenson probably would be the guy that benefits the most from this uh, this retirement, though. You know, going into the season, we're going to see Damian, we're going to see Stevenson, we're going to see Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. Oh, as far as the, the running back room in general, um, with the rumors, how you know we can dispel those now. I don't think Harris is going anywhere, he's too cheap. And I think, reminder, he had flashes of being a good running back, and I think that's how you can start out. So, I think honestly, I would like Dynasty, of course, you want to have Harris and Pierre because you just don't know. But as far as redraft, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about them, honestly. And lastly, for the news, this is something that could be a little something, could be a whole bunch of nothing, but found it a little interesting. Uh, we've been talking about Traylon Burks, the wide receiver for the Titans over the last few weeks. He's had issues with conditioning. He's had issues with learning the playbook, learning his routes, things of that nature. He had no impact whatsoever. Again, preseason, but he rushed once for four yards and then he failed to bring in his single target. So, I mean, Burks's career isn't jumping off to a good start just yet, um, is what I'm seeing. He and unfortunately, what tends to happen in football is no matter how much you're touted, once you get out there on the field, if somebody else 
is able to kind of show and prove ahead of you, you become kind of lost in the weeds. So I hope that doesn't happen for this young man. But there are a couple of rookies that are there that are showing and proving. And they're looking like they're going to end up taking this cookie. I don't know if this is just, you know, much to do about nothing. He's too young to make a determination on or if we should be reading at all into what's going on with Burks. But especially for redraft, he's he's not going to be on my radar this year. It's just something that's not quite right with that situation. Not only that, I mean, the red flag for me is this guy played well into the fourth quarter. That part, yeah. So that's the, only one target playing so that much time. The targets, the yardage, that means nothing. If you got this guy out there in the fourth quarter, that's a bad sign. You know what I'm saying? So um, You're showing that what they were saying is true. He's running with the seconds and thirds. Not a good sign at all. Honestly, I'm glad that uh, Vander pointed out because I was going to say, well, Wondell didn't really play, but for this, like you said, to your point, for him to play into the fourth quarter, it's kind of tough. And I think, you know, this is the thing with like uh, going to Vander's point with like kind of comparisons and evaluating players. Like sometimes you can't foresee certain things like this because I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm highly disappointed. I, I wasn't going to personally draft him because I don't trust the quarterback situation, especially with Tannehill. I feel like losing AJ Brown is huge no matter how you cut the cake. And they don't really, they never put enough money into addressing the offensive line. They did nothing to improve their offensive situation. And I don't think Robert Woods is an upgrade. I think he's a fail safe. Somebody you just get the ball to for, you know, third down and the hope that he can get past the receiver. I think him having an ACL at this phase of his career is more of a detriment than a a full recovery. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something to to keep an eye on because Burks was supposed to be the A.J. Brown replacement. But if he can't even get on the field and now that makes Woods your A.J. Brown replacement or either Westbrook your A.J. Brown replacement, they they don't have the capability to be an A.J. Brown. The capability to be a a good wide receiver, but what cornerbacks are they scaring? The opposite and equal side to that, does this now make Derrick Henry – someone that we should take pause with because no one's going to fear the passing game at all. Yeah, I spoke on that shows back when we were speaking on Derrick Henry. I think with this team uh, lacking the, the vertical threat, it's going teams are going to now play down in the box and, and definitely try to take him away. I mean, teams have been trying to take him away for years, and now it's going to be even more possible now because you don't have that vertical threat on the team. Like, who's fast out here? Where's the 4-3 guy? You know what I'm saying? Who's the guy that's stretching the field? So I definitely think those safeties will be playing up and definitely trying to take uh, Henry away. So it's, I mean, Henry does what he does, but this is not a good thing for him as well. There, There's a spot to draft everybody, but this will be a team that if I, if I can, I'll, I'll attempt to kind of stay away from unless they just present too much value with where they've fallen. With that being said, that pretty much wraps up the news. So let's go ahead and get into our draft strategy. All right, all right, all right. So first and foremost, we have a drafting system that when you think about it and you look at it logically, it helps guide your decision making from first round all the way through the last round in your draft. And it's called the guard system. We're going to talk to you a little bit about the guard system, what it entails. It is an acronym. So we'll go through each letter, kind of break down what each point of view is supposed to bring to the table. And then we're going to talk about draft strategies specifically. So the guard system is something that you keep in mind as you make your draft picks. Your draft strategy is what's going to kind of determine the direction 
that you take your draft. This is a staple in fantasy, regardless of whether you are the newest of the new or whether you've been doing this for 20 plus years like I have. It doesn't matter. You can always sharpen, build or refine your skill set. And that's what we're here to do with you today. So the guard system, the first letter in guard is G. G stands for game breakers. These are the guys that can win you a week. Is there a guy currently available for you to draft that is able to win you a week versus a guy that, you know, may put up pedestrian numbers on a regular base, but you're familiar with his name? Do you have a guy that has the upside? The upside is important because a lot of times guys can kind of break out that your opponents or peers never saw coming. And if you already have that guy on your bench because you had the foresight to see the upside there, what it, it does a few things, uh, especially if you're in a league that uses waivers, it keeps you from ending up last on your waiver priority because you just because you had to wait until week one week two to pick up those guys that you kind of should have known had upside and should have just been chilling on your bench anyway versus wasting space with guys that you were hoping to never have to play so that's where the upside comes into play barry go ahead and talk a little bit about how age factors in just next up with the fantasy guard system so we got g game breakers u upside next up is age letter a barry what you got as far as age when it comes to this thing the one position that really fills it is the running back position i would say definitely everybody feel like 30 is this magic number when it comes to running backs anything close to 30 is when these guys um start to see a decline but lately seems like the age is coming back a little bit now it's more closer to 27 28 because a lot of these guys now come out of college they're getting 300 totes a year so by the time they get to the age of 27 they're kind of already on the decline it's a little earlier now so i would say age plays a part at the running back position as far as wide receiver not so much it depends on the style of wide receiver if you have the guy that's known for the wheels you know the vertical then you may see an age play a part in those guys but that's usually over the age of 30 maybe 33 and beyond so uh, we still seeing guys being productive in the early 30s as far as quarterback hell tom brady's 87 years old so age doesn't <laughs> age doesn't really play a part as far as those guys unless you have that athletic quarterback that focuses true so it's just like basketball when you start seeing these guys the high flyers the vince carters and then you start seeing them decline the game because the athleticism is leaving them. The Blake Griffins, it's the same thing with those running style quarterbacks. So if you have those running style quarterbacks, then early 30s, forget about it. You know what I mean? But as far as age, running back, running back, pay attention to that, uh, the age of these guys. I would say 27 is when you start to see more of a, a alarm go off. I think the role is something that we got to heavily look at year to year because numbers and things just change around it. You know, we have people who are split in the backfield. We have some people who are used only in the slot. So their snap shares like less than 20%. Like it's a lot of different variables that goes into a role. You always want to prioritize yourself. Who has the upside any given week? Who is someone who's going to be highly productive because what they're asked to do get day in and game out is relying on them being productive on the field. You also got to know who's in line to get that added production in case of an injury or something was to happen to a pivotal player a lot of times now especially with uh starting off with the running back position really they're only a handful of bell cow uh, running backs now so it's also you know one of those things you need to know the pollards of the world the situation even with jacksonville with etn and james robinson you want to get a feel and a gauge of who has the most upside in those situations because that's the added value not just as something happens to them, but game in, game out. Can they get you seven points? Do they have upside to give you a couple of receptions and touchdowns? Uh, same thing with wide receivers. 
now that things are being more three wide receiver sets and that's the new meta going on, who's going to be on the field even more so in other positions? Who's asked to play, you know, the flanker, that's X, you know, just kind of be well-versed on who's on the field the most to optimize productivity. I think that's a key point is to kind of, I think if out of the guard, I think this is one of the, up to the most important because as we go into super flex and we go into all these different leagues, you're going to find value later rounds by knowing what role someone plays on the team. Absolutely. And one of the other things, I'm glad you brought this up, know the team itself. There's certain teams that the name doesn't matter. You're going to get a role and that role is what it is. What I mean by that, Tafis is the Steelers. If you're the Steelers running back, you're going to be a bell cow running back. You don't have a choice if you're the Steelers running back. They don't run out two, three, four guys like a lot of other teams do. So if you know that, you can use that to your advantage. Let's take David Montgomery, for instance, in Chicago. He's not one of the more popular backs, but he has a well-defined role. And you can run him out there as you're, if you went wide receiver heavy, and we'll talk about that strategy in a few minutes, but if you go wide receiver heavy or you start out with other positions, guys like David Montgomery, anybody who happens to be the lead back with the 49ers that year, um, doesn't matter what their name is. We didn't know who Elijah Mitchell was last year, but we know the role on that team. If you get the job, you're going to put up fantasy points. So understand not only the role that the individual will play, but how teams utilize each position and their likelihood of consistency of getting volume at certain positions with certain teams. The depth chart, lastly, in the guard says, first up, we had game breakers. Then we had upside, age, the role that they play, and now depth chart. A lot of times it's more difficult to understand a coach, not putting in a guy that clearly has better talent, but understand that the coaches put together the depth charts for a reason. And in many cases, although you may think that you have a young stud, if they're buried on the depth chart, you may kind of want to look at a different spot or go about putting together your team a different way. Now, obviously, Dynasty is a little bit different because there are additional roster spots for that specifically. But always make sure that you understand where the depth chart is. And also don't get caught thinking that the depth chart remained the same from the previous year. What will happen a lot of times is when you get towards the latter end of your draft, guys will start getting what we call cuffs, which is the guy that we think, especially for like running back, the guy that we think is next up if the starter gets hurt. If you don't know that depth chart and you just thought that the handcuff that was the guy last year is going to be the guy this year, you may have missed the fact that that guy is now third or fourth on the depth chart and no longer second. Make sure you stay abreast of that. Things change rapidly in fantasy football. And if you just go by what you saw last year, then everyone would just pick whoever the leaders were in fantasy from the previous year and win every year. It doesn't work like that, though. So make sure that you're paying attention to the depth charts. That also helps you set up your watch list because you know when someone gets hurt who the next man up is and you may not even necessarily need help at that position but the value of that player just increased as such that there's somebody else that may be on your team that is now not as valuable as that guy don't get so caught up in your guys this is just a, a, another fantasy tip in general don't get so caught up in your guys that you feel that they're the best no matter what else is available just because they're yours that's not the way this game works be water, be fluid, have the ability to change immediately, especially when you're drafting, because somebody might snipe you. The Literally, the guy that you've been watching the entire round ended up being picked one pick before you. And now you're scrambling and you just end up going for a familiar name. Not if your watch list is already created. 
Not if you've already kind of planned out your A, B, and C plan, you'll never get caught off guard. We're going to go into specific draft strategies now. Vander, go ahead and start us out with the robust RB strategy. All right. And the robust RB strategy, you tend to see these in leagues that have flex spots, um, not super flex, usually flex spots, or maybe even more than two running back spots in their leagues, one quarterback leagues. This is where you pretty much take the best running back on the board available. And usually you'll see this, the first three picks usually are uh, running back for people that do the robust because it, people well, people tend to think that running back is probably the most important position in fantasy. So for guys who think like that, this is the, the plan they tend to take. So usually you'll see those first three to four picks will be straight running back. And it's usually best on board when it comes to that. Now, Joe, I want you to play the opposite and equal. We hear what the robust RB strategy is. What are some of the downfalls of that type of strategy? One thing that I don't like about it is that you're overcommitting to running back where depending on league, like the scoring system, everybody's playing almost half point PPR or PPR. The value to me is the wide receivers. You can miss out on that value. Sometimes even getting into the third round, you'll find like a Mike Evans or someone who still can give you a predominant amount of points. And then on the turn, so when it comes back to you, there's only but so many decent receivers at that point. So you lose a lot of value at receiver and tight end, in my personal opinion. And then in injuries um, more likely occur at the running back position. So I think sometimes it's just, you know, better to kind of spread it out a little bit. So here's the blessing and the curse to the robust RB strategy. And, and the last thing that Joe said is the part that I'm going to kind of focus on injury. Injury is most likely to happen to running backs. So here's the thing, right? On one hand, you would say, well, if injury is most likely to happen to a running back, then the robust RB strategy makes all the sense in the world because I'll still have starting quality running backs left if one of them goes down or two of them goes down because I started my team out with three or four studs at running back. And this is true. The other half to that that's also true is if you start out with those guys at running back and because they're more likely to get hurt, let's say, for instance, you go with a running back in your first second round you're basically putting the odds in the favor that one of your first picks is going to go down at some point in time during the year we don't know which running backs is going to happen to we don't know which ones may be for a couple minutes versus which ones may be for a couple months but every single year top-notch level running back. We're talking the Derrick Henrys of the world. We're talking the Christian McCaffreys of the world, the Joe Mixons of the world. We're talking guys that were a staple of your team that you depended on week to week because of the way you drafted. If they're no longer available, the guy that you pick up off the waiver, even if it's his direct handcuff, isn't going to have the same level of play. To whereas if you mixed it up a little bit or if you went wide receiver heavy, which is a position that's a little bit less likely to get hurt, if your running back does get hurt, it doesn't cripple your team. But there aren't too many teams that started out with Derrick Henry and CMC that still won championships when the guy on your roster goes down. And with running back, it's 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 like it's more likely to happen than with other positions. Moving on to the next strategy, which is wide receiver heavy. Wide receiver heavy indicates that you're going to start out with your first three to four picks, kind of like with the robust RB, but looking from the wide receiver perspective. Here's the thing to think about as far as 
top-notch wide receivers are concerned. The wide receiver position in general can be kind of iffy week to week. So when you get the top-notch guys and you get consistency in that position, it tends to put you a level above your peers. If you had the Jeffersons, the Chases, the Cups, the Mike Evans of the world, if you had those type of guys, the Tyreek Hills, the you know, the, the top of the top, best of the best. Most weeks, the vast majority of your weeks, they ended up putting up more points than the wide receivers that were available to your opponents. And because they're top notch and because they have that consistency and they have a definitive role and they're game breakers, they tend to fit the mold for the guard system perfectly, those top notch wide receivers. In today's football, it's no longer three yards in a cloud of dust unless you just happen to have a running back that's on one of those teams that just haven't caught up with the rest of the NFL world, it's unlikely that your your running back is going to be utilized as much as some of those top-notch wide receivers. I tend to kind of blend the strategies of your wide receiver heavy or robust RB just based upon where you're drafting. If you're drafting really high in the draft, pick one, two, three, four, Nine times out of 10, you aren't going to want to go wide receiver there. You, you take your chances on your JTs of the world, your Derrick Henry's of the world, your you know Dalvin Cooks, your CMC's, and, and you hope for the best because if they stay healthy, then you have a stalwart on your roster that you never have to worry about that position. So the main thing to consider as far as wide receiver heavy is concerned is if you pick towards the latter end of the draft where most people do if you've had a good year previously, or sometimes you, know, you just got to random order going on but what tends to happen is you can stack up on the best of the best at wide receiver versus just getting another guy at running back because you feel like well if i don't get a running back now i'm not going to have a good enough running back to start that's not how you pick your player the reason that puts you behind the power curve is if i'm just going to go pick a guy like gibson with the commanders right because everyone else before me has already gotten a running back if the running back that i get because everyone else drafted a running back doesn't stack up to those running backs that means that i'm now playing catch up what i have to do is then try to get a wide receiver that i feel is going to put up as many points or as close to it as the running back that you chose it does me no favors to just get a guy in the same position just to say that i got a guy and then the wide receiver that was actually more valuable than that guy falls to you so now you pair that top-notch wide receiver with the top-notch running back and now i got to chase behind you with wide receiver as well so you never catch up you have to go opposite and equal of what you see your peers doing let the draft come to you that makes sense we have the zero rb and zero hold, tight end strategy hold on Bear hold, on, hold on hold on hold, go on, ahead, hold on hey hold on hold on my fault my fault go ahead now you know i am the king of the wide receiver heavy strategy how can you not let me speak on this man this is true this is true. <laughs> I, I, I digress i I'm the king of that. <laughs> oh, no, no, really? hold up, hold up, real quick. But the reason he's, well, one of the reasons he's saying that last year, the strategy that he employed, he ended up getting, was it Cup and Chase or was it Jefferson and Chase in, in our redraft? Um, I know Chase was in there at some point. I can't remember, but this is my thing, right? And, and, and I'm uh, pretty much go off what you said, which is 100% facts. It's all about where you're picking at in your draft, right? Uh, if you're picking at the back, this is the way to go for me because most of the running backs are already gone, like Zay alluded to. You're staring uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the face. You know what I'm saying? Guys like that you might don't want to pick. You're down. You're kind of down to Saquon, a lot of running backs. Somebody like that. Yeah, some, some running backs you probably don't want to take with your first round pick. Um, so if you pick 
like me, I'm always usually picking the back of the draft. You know, I ain't trying to toot my own horn, but from year to year, I'm at the back. I love this. I love this uh, strategy. But this strategy, I like this strategy only when I can get at least two of the top four receivers in the whole league. So, for instance, I'm not going to go wide receiver heavy if my first two picks are Diggs and Evans. That's not what I'm looking for. Currently ranked, I have Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Devonta Adams. I must have two of the four. If I can't get two of the four, I'm scratching that whole strategy. So when you do the wide receiver heavy strategy, you definitely want to get two of the elite wide receivers in the league for sure. Now explain why that's the case. This is the base of your team. The base of your team is you're going wide receiver. This is going to be the strong point of your team. You don't want to have a wide receiver two as your number one wide receiver. It doesn't make sense. Not saying guys like Diggs, Evans, CeeDee Lamb, those guys are wide receiver two guys. But when doing this strategy, you want to have the top of the top. and You want to have at least two of them. If you can't get two of them, don't do it. Don't go with Chase and then have to come back and get CD. I don't like that. I got to have Jefferson and Chase. I got to have Chase and, Ed and Adams. I got to have two of the top elite wide receivers in the league and this strategy will work well for you and then when it comes back a lot of people to see a lot of people get lost in the sauce right they don't know what to do next i'm gonna tell you what to do next and when it comes back around to you again you may want to grab another wide receiver this may be look like t higgins this may be uh michael Pittman. guys of that nature then you can also go to your tight end so maybe even a guy like kyle pitts is available so now you have the strongest wide receiving core in your league i'm hands down more than likely when you do when you do this strategy one thing about doing this strategy you have to knock out the part with your running backs you gotta know the um, depth you gotta, you gotta know the depth you gotta know who's who give you a little uh a little gem if you're going wide receiver heavy look for the rashad pennies look for the ramondre so actually actually you're about to talk about that in two seconds because a lot of those guys are going to be zero rb guys right so so uh, it, 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 it kind of wide receiver heavy it, pairs with right zero RB. good good yeah. call Wide receiver heavy kind of goes well with zero running. Well, that's pretty much what it is. When you're going it's zero running back, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when you go zero running back, this is what you're doing. You know what I mean? So it's either one of the two. You're doing one or the other. When you go zero running back, you're going heavy with the wide receiver core. So you have the strong, you probably have the strong tight end and strong wide receivers. So this one, you have to knock out the part with your running backs. You have to get that value. You have to get the uh, Ramondre Stevenson. You have to get the Rashad Pennies of the world. You know, maybe the Dan uh, Damian Pierce. Like you want to hit because you want guys that's actually still starters that's still doing well on your team, you know what I mean, to make it nice and balanced. So, but this is my favorite strategy to do. This is a strategy I've been doing for years, and, and people are now starting to try to come around to it. And it's a copycat lead. Uh, so it's just but like you things. said, though, if, <laughs> but, if you're not picking in the back, you right. just help me out, right? Because now you're pushing, in the back. yes, because now you're pushing valuable running backs Correct. closer to me. And if I get that double up, and now I can get a running back that shouldn't be there plus the top notch wide receiver, right? Well, now you're really screwed because right. I, mean, I, I got that double up for the rest of the draft if you're picking the first four picks of your draft like zay alluded to don't do this it's not for you you know you don't want to jump out the window get cup and then hope for one nah you don't want to do that go ahead and get your running backs and you know square your team away but if you're picking at the back where you're getting those back-to-back -back picks, this is definitely the way to go. And now moving to the zero RB and zero tight end strategies, which is basically where you fade a certain position until the mid to late rounds. Um, he was throwing out some gems as far as guys to look for. The main thing when you're going zero RB, you have to know your rookies and you have to know your depth charts. Because in many cases, you may be able to draft rookies that by the time you need them, they've already taken over or taken a step forward up that depth chart. Take, for instance, your Marlon Max and Damian Pierce's of the world, your Houston uh, backfield. Or take, for instance, right now what's going on in Philly with Miles Sanders and Gainwell. There's a couple of different uh, instances. You have some running backs that are more likely than others to get hurt based 
based on their track record. So maybe a rookie like Rashad White down in Tampa Bay based on Fournette getting nicked up every now and then. Maybe that's a guy that you kind of want to have in your back pocket. A Darrell Williams of Arizona, knowing that James Conner gets nicked up. That's a guy you're going to want to have in your back pocket. He alluded to Rashad Penny. You can get Rashad Penny and you can get Kenny Walker later on in your draft. And you have the entire Seattle backfield, which is one of the heaviest running back by volume backfields in the league. So these are things that you have to know going into it so that however the draft presents itself, you can change your strategy midstream. You may go into it thinking that, well, I draft at the 10 spot in a 12 team league. I'm looking at going wide receiver heavy, but two, three people before you get a wild hair up their butt and now you're down to the fourth wide receiver on the board versus having one of the top two or three. So now because the running backs were pushed back, they're now guys that should not have been available to you. And you have to be able to switch up that strategy immediately and stay water versus saying, well, I said my first pick is going to be wide receiver and my second pick is going to be running back and my third pick is going to be quarterback. Nah, don't do that to yourself. Let the draft dictate to you what the best value at that particular point in the draft is. Vander, what were you about to say? Uh, I mean, you're 100% correct. I definitely recommend looking ahead in your draft. Once you choose your strategy, look at the other positions, look ahead in the, in the depth of the draft and see who's available and go and have it queued up or already in mind who you want to get because in our redraft league, it's 60 seconds to make a pick. And 60 seconds go by extremely fast if you don't know what the hell you're doing, right? So go ahead and look ahead. If you're going to... uh heavy wide receiver, go ahead and have guys like Penny in your mind. Go ahead and have guys like Ramon J. Stevenson in your mind. So when it's time for you to take a running back, you go ahead and, and find those guys and not be sitting here trying to hunt and figure out what the hell's going on. And now it's five, four, three, two, one. Make right. a pick. You know and what I mean? just picking whoever and, was first on the list because right. that's what the computer said you should have done. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So but you, here's you the other to, thing too, Barry. The other thing that we have to look at is use your watch list. Like you don't have to look through the list during that 60 seconds. Have guys already queued up. Queued up. Right. Never get to that panic moment of oh my god oh my god who's next who's out there even guys that you think may not last to get to you have those guys queued up because you may be overlooking a guy that you i've done this a couple of times in drafts and i pay very close attention but i've still done it a guy gets picked two or three people after me i'm like oh shit he was still there you don't that's a hurtful feeling especially when it's a position that you had of need right. and it's like damn how did i miss that guy i would like to point out aj Dillon adp being that overall consistent census at 53 so like you said if you go best of way to go yeah like you can go like to Vander strategy on the back end of draft you can take three receivers straight and then he'll probably be there in the fourth round because he'll go like yeah, a four and right. a half now you think get david it. montgomery and then get aj, now, now, AJ now think about what's so sweet about what joe just said now you may have three wide receiver ones right it's now have a with a guy one. like you can, you can very well have a, a running back one late yeah like aj dylan has running back yep. one capability one injury he shoots right to the top right so one you change in volume right so you didn't mess around and got three wide receiver ones and you got a running back one late like you definitely want to get these guys that can give you that kind of production later in the draft and a guy like dylan still from where he's getting picked at i mean not only is going to get more love this year we speak we spoke on that on shows prior mm -hmm. but man if that boy go down in front of him 
and he has a couple of two, time, I mean, two. Jones is one of those dudes yeah. that'll go down now, and he's yeah. the first to second round pick. Matter of fact, he's the quintessential type of guy that I was talking about earlier. When you have a guy like AJ Dillon that you can get in round five or six, and you got a guy like Jones who you would have to give up your probably your second round pick for, why would you do that when you can get the best wide receiver on board and still possibly have the best running back in that backfield if you know what's going on with that depth chart? Right. Because as of right now, it looks like Dylan is going to be the one to take over quite a bit of the running duties. They're going to be using Jones a little bit more in the slot. So pay attention and stay water. Zero tight end. Vander, you talked about this in probably half of the shows that we've done. Tell us what the strategy is. And then, Joe, give us a few tight ends that kind of fit into the strategy. I mean, this is simple and quick. It's not rocket science. Hell, don't pick a tight end to your last pick. I mean, I can't give it to you no more, no more clear than that. Fill out the rest of your, fill out your team, uh, whether you go running back, wide receiver, you know, you get all your positions and you get down to the last pick and you take a tight end. Uh, Joe could tell you some guys that's going to be there because this year, the tight end, man, you have some guys that really can give you some value that's un going undrafted right now. In a nutshell, do not pick a tight end till your last pick because to me, if you don't have those top three to four tight ends, you should pick a tight end anyway until last. Thanks. That's Thanks. in my you know, expert opinion. If you don't have Kelsey, if you don't have Pitts, if you don't have Andrews, don't pick one. Don't say, I'm getting Firemuth, I'm getting Hawkinson, I'm getting Golder. Hell no. Just don't get one of those and just wait till later because there's a value at that bottom that can give you that same production as a Golder, in my opinion. If you don't have the GOATs, Hey, wait to the wait to the end and grab one. That's what I would do. And the other side to that strategy is you have now more depth at your running back position. You have more depth at your wide receiver position. If you notice, tight ends don't go down too often. There's very seldom someone's like, "Damn, I lost because my tight end got hurt." Like that. That you really never hear that conversation. Their replacement. They're a little bit easier to replace. And again, unless you're talking about a Kelsey, because Kelsey ends up ranking as like one of the top five pass catchers. But right. and let's say instead of getting TJ Hawkinson, you drafted David Montgomery because they're going around about the same round, right? So now, instead of having a tight end where, let's say, for instance, if you had just waited, you could have picked up maybe, I don't know, Mo Ali Cox with your last pick just to give a tight end that you can get with your last pick, like Vander was saying. This guy has a quarterback now in Matt Ryan who has always thrown the ball to the tight end, and he's the biggest dude on the field. And he's going to have volume because he's the number one tight end on the team. So in fantasy, we aren't really looking at him, but based on the consistency of targets and volume, he'd be one of those guys that I might take with a last pick. And hell, take two and just kind of go week to week and see what happens. Joe, who else you got that would kind of fall into this strategy that you can kind of pick up with one of your last couple picks? Yeah, I have a couple. I think you know the, the top three I would focus on is Tyler Higby, Gasecki, and Tunyon. Higby, he almost had what? I think he had almost 100 yards last year, several touchdowns. That's tremendous upside in the offense that's going to be lacking at the wide receiver position. I think A-Rod's going to fit in there perfect, but we've seen how uh, universal he was in that offense. Same thing with Gesicki. Gesicki had um, Smythe behind him kind of snapping for targets, but he still managed to have very impressive games. You can only do so much to cover Tyreek and Waddle, and I think the expense of that is going to be Gesicki. And then lastly, Tunyon. Obviously, we know Tunyon come back from the ACL. Everything looks good. He's he's doing individual drills, but he looks pretty fluid in there, so I think he'll be on the, f the field for week one. And then you get Dolchich for free, the Broncos tight end. I'm one of those people, sometimes I go best value. So if it's a, you know, at that point, it's a rookie that I could capitalize on. I would go no tight end, like I said. We all going to trade. We all going to have something of, of want for somebody. And then once I put together that trade, move, I got the extra space, 
I'll just go ahead and get somebody. Or like you said, you can um, have somebody that's already injured and then you can automatically put them to the injury slot and then grab a tight end. But I'm just playing value that way. And you alluded to um, the next strategy up, which is basically best on board or uh, value based. Theoretically, best on board and value based are not the same strategy. So you pick one and I'll do the other. I'm going to do best on board. Um, Best on board is a universal practice, no matter where you're picking from. The thing that Vander and and Zave kind of alluded to is know what everybody else is picking in front of you and also to follow your own strategy. The thing is, you don't want to leave meet for somebody else so if it's a decision where you got to get dalvin or Devonte, like those close really close ones you have to favor your draft position when your next turnaround is you know how many pitches are between you and the next go around um and overall what kind of league is it to maximize that potential with the best on board the draft is going to dictate early on after you make your first couple picks what kind of draft it is you'll see if it's favoring wide receivers whether it's favoring running backs or however it may go for you know whatever type of draft you got set up what i try to do is i try to favor what's going to be least available later on so if i done seen a bevy of running back go you know obviously in the first two rounds and then to what we said earlier now you got people sliding to you in the draft and or if i know like for example about a third or fourth round We've been so point to the point we getting you know skill positions wide receivers and running back. It might be a tight end or a quarterback of value in the third or fourth round, but it's based on best av- best available, especially with the tight end position being what it is with Kelsey and Pitts. I feel it plays into that kind of scheme really well, where it's just like you already can you know get best available. You already have what's up going to come to you at the turn. Now, can you get that upside of having a wide receiver at the tight end position? And I think that's why I like to use best best available, like best on the board, to kind of leverage that to get the quarterback and the tight end, but not reach for him. I can still even wait or I can use, you know, like I said, the turn before I got to wait another 15 picks or so to kind of maximize that. So best on the board, uh, quite simply, just get the best available player. It applies to all facets of the field. But when using that, be sure to you look at this uh, non-skill position like quarterback and tight end to kind of maximize that value. Because at that point, in the later points of the draft, you already know what kind of draft you're in in that environment. Best on board, pick literally the best player that's available to you at the time. You would think that that's elementary, right? Well, of course, I should just pick the best player. So let me tell you the difference between best on board and value-based drafting and why, in my opinion, value-based drafting is the way to go. Best on board may be I pick at the at the tail end of each round, so I, I get the double up. The best player on the board may be the next wide receiver up, but the best value on the board may be the running back that I need to get because if I wait the amount of time that it takes after I get that double up for the next running back to be available, the difference between the two, if I were to look at that wide receiver and the wide receiver that's going to be available to me, the next opportunity I had to pick. And if I look at the running back available to me and what's going to be available to me on my next opportunity to pick, I'm looking at the value of each in comparison to the other's replacement. If I don't go running back this round, what am I stuck with? That now puts a higher value on the one or two high volume running backs that's left. So although there's a wide receiver on the board that I think will end up putting up more points 
then the running back I'm about to select. If I don't select this running back, I'm screwed. That's essentially how value is looked at versus best on board. Best on board would just simply say, hey, this wide receiver is better. I'm taking the wide receiver and I'm sleeping like a babe. Value is saying if I don't get a running back now, I'm going to be stuck waiting in some deep water and I don't want to do that. So what is going to be more valuable to you? The best player on board or the player most likely to put up points is going to be the quarterback almost every time. When you look at the points that a quarterback puts up in comparison to the quarterback that you can draft four rounds later, they're so close to each other that what you gave up to get a quarterback at that point in time took away all the value that you could have had in the wide receiver and running back positions there. So that kind of lends itself to the last categories that we're going to speak on, which is how and when to go about drafting quarterbacks. So you have the late round strategy, which is honestly, as far as I'm concerned, if you're in a single quarterback league, the only strategy, it doesn't make sense to, to draft quarterback early, especially in a single QB league when you're going to have guys like Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields and the Trevor Lawrence's of the world that end up either drafted last or, or not drafted in some cases. When you're talking about most teams being 12 teams and in single QB leagues, most people don't draft backups. Only 12 quarterbacks are coming off the board. If you look at quarterbacks 13 through 18, depending on which way the wind blows, those guys are going to end up somewhere right around your tail in QB ones and your top QB twos where they ended up. They're going to be right in that same mesh point. But you gave up so many wide you gave up a, a, a top wide receiver or a top running back to get a guy that doesn't have that much value over his replacement. So that's why we look at late round QB as far as a single QB strategy is concerned. Now, if you're in a super flex and, and matter of fact, let's look at the differentiation between Superflex and two QB. With Superflex, you might only run with three QBs because your worst case scenario is, well, if a guy does get hurt, at least I don't have to take zero. If there isn't a trade to be had or if there isn't someone on the wire, wire worth putting in, I can just actually put in one of my wide receivers, tight ends, or running backs on my bench that I've been dying to be able to get in but just don't have a spot for. Well, now I do. In the two QB league, you don't have that leeway. So I would always go with four QBs. QBs in a two QB league just because I want to have a backup for every position. So my first QB position, I have a guy and I have a backup. That second QB position, I have a guy and I have a backup. That's only, again, specifically in two QB leagues, not Superflex. And the reason for that, you don't want to have a position that's going to be a staple of the points that you're going to go about getting. You don't want to find yourself in a position either due to injury or to lackluster play that you now have to give up that or you have to give up valuable pieces to now go trade for a quarterback that can kind of push you behind the eight ball in many instances the quarterback that you can kind of get third fourth fifth round I, I, I like to kind of get all four of my quarterbacks pretty close together in the mid rounds so again I have guys that you know you may be QB 10 maybe QB 5 maybe QB you know 15 whatever the case ends up being you're close enough 
to the QBs that I'm going against that I don't have to work from behind the power curve, if you will. Barry, I know that you you are a two QB specialist. You do things sometimes a little bit differently and that can kind of depend on the league because in many cases, if you have a league that's very active and trades a lot, you can draft a little bit differently specifically to trade, but give us a little yeah. bit of your wisdom as far as that is concerned. Well, first, uh, speaking on the one quarterback league, I agree with you. Don't take a quarterback early. I mean, looking at the Yahoo ranking, Aaron Rodgers is the 15th ranked quarterback. I mean, need I say more? I mean, <laughs> if you can get Aaron Rodgers your starter, I mean, he's 15. Most of the people on 10, 12 team leagues, there's no reason to take a quarterback early in your draft. Go ahead and None your, at all. Go ahead and get your skill positions uh, taken care of. Two quarterback league, the way I look at it, it depends on what the rest of the draft does, to be honest with you. With me, usually picking at the back of the draft, if I see somebody trying to throw a wrench in my game where, again, I like to do the heavy wide receiver. But if I can't get two of the top four, then I'll do something totally different. Then I'll go ahead and go quarterback heavy. That's a strategy we didn't talk about. Talk about, But I'll go quarterback heavy, right? And then in a two quarterback league, if you're going quarterback heavy, now you bring in people to you. Because if you're going quarterback heavy, someone is going to be lacking at the quarterback position in your league. So when it comes time to trade, you're going to come find me. I don't have to come find you. And then you're going to bring me back the pieces that you try to take away from me anyway. You see what I'm saying? So you have to really kind of like play these mind games at the same time, guys in your league. And if you're in a league that's year to year, you tend to know people's tendencies and things of that nature. Uh, but it depends on where you're picking at. And if I'm going heavy on the on the wide receivers, I'll tend to get my quarterbacks and I'll start looking at quarterback in round five or six. And if I'm strong at the quarterback, if I'm strong at my wide receiver position, I'm okay with having guys like uh, Jameis Winston, maybe even Trevor Lawrence or something like that, Matt Ryan as my starting quarterbacks. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Because one thing about quarterbacks, it's a lot closer than any other position. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Any running backs. Somebody can be right. the QB of the week. Correct. I mean, yeah, Josh Allen can average 24 points a game, but hell, Jameis Winston can give you 24 points a week. You know what I mean? He can have that kind of week too. So it's a lot closer. So I'm okay with having those type of guys as my starters in two quarterback leagues, as long as my skill positions are extremely strong. I was going to ask, because I got one coming up, a super a super flex. Out of what we discussed, which strategy you think works well with the super flex? And under the presumption, we're going to take four quarterbacks. Like I know you kind of alluded to the, the wide receiver strategy, but is there anything else you feel like you would utilize? And also, too, a second question. At what point would you see yourself taking, like, would you ever take two QBs on the same round as well? Like, you know, like, you know, once in the yeah. fourth, or then again on the fifth, like, how, yeah. how that work out? No, I tend to, usually, I, I mean, cut you say, usually when I do take my quarterbacks, it's back to back. So that's for sure. Like, whatever I round I decide. three back to back to back. Yeah. Whatever I, round I, I decide. everything else. Yeah. Whatever round I decide to get the QB, the next one's going to be a QB for sure. You can bank that. So, um, if I'm going heavy wide receiver and I'm starting looking at QBs in round five, round mm -hmm. five and round six, because I'm picking back to back, they're going to be QBs because I'm going to get two guys that's close to each other. I don't want guys that's like on way different sides of the spectrum where maybe I got Matt Ryan, then my second quarterback is Trubisky. You know, I don't I don't want that. Right. I want my guys kind of Trubisky closer. might be your third or fourth. Right. He'll be the guy that's filling in on bye weeks. You know what I'm saying? I want to. I want my guys to be closer to each other in value when I do take quarterbacks. Another thing to look at, y'all, and this is something that that I've done in two QB and super flex leagues. I tend to do the wide receiver heavy strategy, but to a certain extent. What I mean by that is this. Wide receiver is the most plentiful position, right? So don't get backup wide receivers. If one of your guys goes down, you're going to have to make a trade anyway. 
So the guys that are on the waiver wire, as far as wide receiver are concerned, there are going to be several of them that end up standing out. Replace after you make trades, that's when you go ahead and you fill in your bench with wide receivers because there's going to be guys that show up week one, week two, week three that we weren't really thinking about prior to that you can backfill your wide receiver positions. And then that's when you can go ahead and get that extra quarterback to trade for whatever you may need because you didn't fill that roster spot with a wide receiver three that's going to be pretty much the same points as a guy that you can get off the waiver two weeks from now. My bench is normally running backs and quarterbacks because that's the piece that most people come calling for because they see as well that they can go out to the waiver and they aren't going to be willing to pay but so much for a wide receiver when they can just go get one for free and hope for the best. So the pieces that people are normally more willing to pay for are going to be the quarterback. And again, this is super flex and two QB, not single QB. I'm not I'm not giving you shit for a quarterback in a single <laughs> in a single quarterback league. <laughs> but in a two QB and a super flex, like say for instance, if someone just knew that they were going to get a Matt Ryan to come back to him, right? But what ends up happening is, let's say Barry started a run. He took two QBs back to back in round six, like he said he would. That triggered two other people. And then I also already had a plan to get a QB. So now you're down to Trubisky being your second and you thought he was going to be your third or fourth. So now you're scrambling. You're either going to have to trade or you're going to have subpar QBs. So what's going to happen is after the week one week two and you let that guy go out and he put up 15 points and everybody else's quarterbacks is putting up somewhere between 20 to 24 i'll go ahead and i'll take your trubisky and i'll trade you my matt ryan who was a bench quarterback for me so really all i need is a warm body but now i have an additional running back or, or an additional wide receiver that i could not have drafted where i drafted that quarterback because those guys were already gone yeah, in a two quarterback leads, quarterback can be extremely valuable. Currency. Um, last year we um, for example, before I answer your other question, Joe, last year, for example, we had a guy that actually missed the draft and it was on auto draft for him in a two QB league. Huh, the computer knows nothing about that. The computer know I'm picking the best available on the board. And he made he might have had only just two quarterbacks on his whole roster. And one was Trevor Lawrence and the other one was like uh Zach Wilson or some shit. You know what I mean? So <laughs> And so he really had to make some changes, you know what I mean? And then the wolves come, you know what I mean? Like, hey, what's up with Derrick Henry? Uh, what's up with you? Like, you really, now you leaning on him, you know what I'm saying? Now he's panicking. He had to get rid of some of these guys he maybe didn't want to get rid of in order to stay afloat. Uh, but to answer your question about in that super flex, where are you picking that? So it depends on where you're picking that in that draft as well, too. Yeah, so we it's on <laughs> September 6th, so we haven't gotten to that point. But what I'm what I'm favoring what you guys said about getting four quarterbacks, I was thinking like in my mind, like, all right, maybe with super flex, I get three, but I do like the emphasis that y'all said. Y'all want the backup for the backup. Now, I think they said about getting them like back to back is like if you know, if you want the, the latter end of the draft, so probably mm-hmm. 8 through 12, for example. Right. So I was posed to you, Vander, if your picks 1 through 6 or so, how mm-hmm. would you go about that strategy? And is it a QB in mind to, like, if he available on the board do you, where you start? Because we already know, like, Josh Jackson and Mahomes might be the first to go. So right. where do you start picking off your quarterbacks, man? Oh, man. I, you know, I like the guys with the legs. I like to combat other guys. Like they picking Mahomes because of the name, and he's a good quarterback. But fantasy, he's not the best quarterback. Um, so to combat guys like that, I'm looking at you know I, I like Trey Lance. 
you know, I'm looking at guys like that who, and of course, Aaron Rodgers, like I said, he's ranked 15 on a lot of boards. Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? So if you can have Aaron Rodgers as, you know, that super flex guy, like, do that. You know what I mean? But picking in those first couple picks, I'm not going to take the quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and fill out the rest of the roster, get the running backs and things of that nature. But I'm going to double up on the quarterbacks, and I probably will start looking where Aaron Rodgers is at. I'm not sure what round that going to be in in your league. At that point, you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Trevor Lawrence. Y'all mm-hmm. guys are high on him. So if he's your super flex, that may be good. Even Matt Ryan. Another know. thing to take into account, you got to know your league group. Listeners, please, please, please listen. Hear me on this. Know your rule. The league that me and Barry and I are standard league is one point for every 25 passing yards, four points for every passing touchdown. So if I can get a Trey Lance, a Jalen Hurts, a Lamar Jackson Kyler type Murray. quarterback, yeah. Kyler Murray, yeah. If I can get those guys that are going to have a staple of rushing touchdowns, that means I'm getting more for that rushing touchdown than Tom Brady is getting for his passing touchdown. And they're also more likely to run. I get one point for every 10 yards versus one point for every 25 yards. So although one quarterback may go out and have an outstanding NFL day and throw for 300 yards, no rushing touchdown and only two passing touchdowns. Well, those two passing touchdowns only got me eight points, y'all. That's not a whole lot. And when you only get one point for every 25 yards and they don't run at all, they can have a huge NFL day, but not do very much for your fantasy. The opposite is also true. Some leagues have six points for any touchdown, whether it's passing or rushing. Some leagues have one point for every 20 yards passing. Smash Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers late at quarterback, even if it's super flex or two QB, because those guys are going to maximize points in that type of a league versus your your guys that don't really now have an edge because they're running it in. And those guys are more likely to get hurt because they run so much. So now your favorability goes the other way, but only because the rules change. So you got to know your rules. Other things like what are your bonus points? If it's a 40 yard touchdown, do you get five extra points? If it's a know your rules and you'll know who to maximize, then start looking at, okay, well, who can I get a little bit later? That's likely to have at least out of what 17 games, that's likely to have at least 10 games where they throw one 40 yard bomb. What, what wide receivers are most likely to get those 40 yard bombs? I may want to go, wait a minute. If Justin Jefferson is who he is and I can get Kirk Cousins where I can get them. That's a damn steal, especially when they're changing the offense now to pass heavy and he was putting up points before. Why would I not do that versus hoping and praying that Patrick Mahomes still shows and proves? You, you realize he ended up at like quarterback eight, I want to say last year, year before last, well, whatever it was. And people were picking him as number one, number two. And what ends up happening is if I can get Kirk Cousin, he ends up at quarterback 12 and there's only 30 points between them total on the year, which averages out to only a two point difference per game but I was able to go ahead and get Jonathan Taylor and pair him with Kirk Cousins. Meanwhile, you were pairing David Montgomery with Patrick Mahomes. Well, how did that pairing work out? So know your rules and understand where your values are. And the show next week is going to focus on values and sleepers. Great question, Joe. I'm sure that helped out a lot of our listeners as well. Did that kind of answer what you were going for? Hell yeah. I'm, I made note of this because honestly, that was my weakness. I was good at like standard drafts, one QB drafts. 
but super draft, I don't, I never feel like I've maximized the value. But honestly, the two elite wide receivers, like the top six receiver, Van put out, and then where y'all take the um, QBs and how y'all said to take them back to back. And even too, what you just said now, the pairings of them all, I, that helped me tremendously. Like, y'all know how, how I prepare and study stuff, but now those two strategies together, like, really help my shit. Like, I think I'm going to cook up something crazy. And that's what we're here for. So if you have draft strategy questions, if you have value questions, if you want to know who the next man up is going to be, make sure that you, one, reach out to us on our social media sites, and two, you pay attention to the next shows that are coming up because the value and sleeper show is where you will make your bread and butter. That's where you're going to know what to do in the middle of the draft when everyone else is panicking and picking names that they recognize versus people that are going to put up the most points. I promise you, we are going to ride this thing into fantasy championships this year. It's go time. We ready. We out.